following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to an emergency episode of the Underdog NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always on the left coast by Zandrick Ellison. And Zan, we've been waiting for a long time for some more Jimmy Butler news that wasn't, you know, Jimmy's mad at the front office or Jimmy and Thibs are butting heads. And today, Saturday afternoon, about, I would say it was about 11.30 a.m. Nashville time, so I was in Trader Joe's with my wife, we get the news that Jimmy Butler has been traded to the 76ers. Now, before we get as hot a takes as we can provide two and a half hours after this trade happens... Are you sad to see the Jimmy Butler, Minnesota Timberwolves era and saga end? Well, as somebody who's doing a new podcast with you, it's a little upsetting because it has been a great source of entertainment. Um, I'm opposite of you. I'm a fancy man shopping. I, we're dealing with wildfires in California, but when I see the bat signal go up, Jimmy Butler gets traded. I have to fight the fire. Um, <laughs> I have to brave through. And if I'm going to die in this fire, I want to die talking about Jared Bayless and Justin Patton and this deal. Finally, we get something. So we get, so like you said, so John Krawczewski, not to be confused with Jim from The Office, John Krasinski, breaks the idea that there, this is going to be a trade and then Sham Sharania picks it up. And so we're seeing that it is Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, essentially his expiring deal, and a 2022 second rounder. So... I mean, there's a lot to cover here. Why don't we do it from the Timberwolves deal for the Timberwolves side first? Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think, you know, we've been talking since probably the first episode of our show about what are the possible packages that Minnesota can get? What are they looking for? And so it's interesting from their perspective, a deal was going to come. It's just a matter of like, is this the right deal? Um, yeah. First impression, like they, they were looking for probably a three and D guy and, and maybe a stretch four. So it kind of fits the bill. Don't you think like on paper, it looks like what they doctor ordered? Yeah. In the two hours that I've looked at this deal, I have come away feeling like pretty good for the Timberwolves. Now, in, in the sense of evaluating this deal, Zan, I don't think we can say like, hey, do you think Carl Towns is a building block? Do you think they paid too much money for Wiggins? It's just like, what improves their roster right now? Right. And they get, like you said, they get a legitimate, you know, people, there are people who have varying degrees of thoughts about Robert Covington, but yeah, three and D guy on a very pretty, a very team friendly deal. Right. I think we said it was what, four years. Yeah. It's uh, the specifics. It goes up slightly 10 million this year, 11 million, then 12, then 13. But those are all prices you'd take for a guy with that kind of skill set. And then Dario Saric, who this year has looked worse than last year. Part of it could be that he's tired. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. The spacing is not good, but a guy that for the Sixers last year was very, very good. Still very young. Uh, I, I mean, if you you obviously remember this, but you know he was super highly thought of when he was drafted, and they waited a long time to get him there. And I'm a little surprised that he was not part of the Sixers' long term plans. But for the for the Wolves, like 
shooting next to Carl Towns, more playmaking if you're going to play Derrick Rose a lot, which it seems like they're going to. So now you have another guy who can pass and, and create. This seems like a pretty good deal for the Wolves for what essentially was like Jimmy Butler was never picking up his player option. Yeah, and you could you can play hindsight is 2020 and ask, you know, should they have kept Levine or, or got Laurie marketing, but whatever what's done is done. And so you're playing the cards you're dealt. And I really like the deal for them for a few reasons. Like Covington, you know, he, he's been on and off, you know, in the playoffs, he really looked shaky, but in general, he fits that three and D mold. I think he's a really strong defender. I, I would compare him a little bit to Josh Richardson, who people were talking about. Maybe that's the, big piece that they're going to get back. It's similar deal, um, similar player. And it's one that fits what they need at the wing next to Wiggins. So, I mean, in terms of that, maybe you'd prefer Richardson, maybe you'd prefer Covington, but they're similar enough to also get another piece, I think was a win for them. So in your opinion right now, if you look at what they've gotten back and Jared Bayless may end up playing minutes, like he's, he randomly shows up, then he gets injured, then he's, you know, healthy, whatever. I think he's not healthy at the moment, but what do you, I mean, what do you think the Wolves roster is aside from like, you want to play Tyus Jones and I agree with you, but like, is their best lineup or is their starting lineup going to be Teague, Wiggins, Covington, Sarich, Towns? Or I think so. I, I, you know, I wonder, I wonder how you take on it. Like, I really like the, the kind of platoon of Sarich and Taj Gibson, kind of like yin and yang a little bit, you know, Sarich probably better offensively, even if he's shooting poorly and Taj more of the veteran defensive guy. Um, so I could see them maybe starting Taj, but um, I wonder at the end of the game how they how they would do. And th- that brings me to Sarge because he's a guy that's been so inconsistent himself. You know, had shot poorly as a rookie, shot well last year, and he's shooting really poorly this year, thirty six percent from the field. Like, who is the real Dario Sarge? Like from what you've seen, I would guess above average shooter, but defensively, is he average? Is he below average? What do you think? I've argued with, I have a lot of friends that are Sixers fans from my time in Philly and, and my phone has gone berserk today for sure. I have always asked, and I think I've even said this on the underdog with Chris Hordell, our fearless leader, like what happens if Sarge is shooting regress this year? And who is he if he is not a 38% three-point shooter, which I believe he was last year and this year. Yeah, he was 39 and then he's dropped to 30 this year. Right. So I always sort of thought Sarge was better as a focal point coming off the bench. And I I think that's hard for people to kind of get their head around. It's like, all right, well, if you pay all this money to this guy, you draft him 13th overall, like, can he be, isn't he a starter? Isn't that who he is? And I always thought with the Sixers, I wasn't sure because I think that he's better with the ball in his hands, but there are not a lot of touches to go around on that team. And we'll get to that in a second. Like that is a big concern of mine with Jimmy Butler coming to the Sixers. But like with Sarich, I like him as a four. I think he can play some three, but in today's NBA, it doesn't seem likely. And obviously, like, you know, I just think it it, it matters if he's going to shoot it well enough. And now with Towns, we may get to see some opportunities for Sarge to post a little bit more. We don't really get to see that in Philly right now because Ben Simmons is in the post and Bede is always there. There's just not a lot of space. So it's possible that we get a situation with Sarge where we get to see more of what he can offer offensively than just like, hey, you're a stretch four, you need to make open threes. Like, I'm excited to see Sarge as a playmaker because when he was in the EuroLeague, like, that's who he was. When he played for Andula Ifis, like, he was a really good point forward. And as a small forward, like, you could put him in some ball screens, you could put him in the mid post, and he would make, create opportunities for guys. So I hope we see that. I have zero faith in Thibs, and I am concerned. I don't want to go 
on this, but I am concerned like Sarge has played basketball all year round for two straight years and he does look tired to me. And so going to Fibs, that ain't a great fit, Zan. It's not. Well, I may, you know, maybe he won't play him as much as he, as he wants because, you know, I, I don't know. I think he does still prioritize defense in theory, even if the results don't match up with that. But the other thing I really like about the yin and yang between him and Taj Gibson is just an age wise. Like Dario's 24 now. He's going to be 25. And he's under contract for two years guaranteed before he's restricted free agency. So you could test this out for two years and hope that he's ready to take, you know, that full-time mantle and be a foundational power forward by the time Taj is done. Um, and there's not much risk to having him as an asset right now. He's under a really cheap contract, two million and three million. Um, so even if it doesn't work, and he, or even you know, maybe worst case, you view him as a as a bench scorer. He's an asset right now. So getting the extra asset in Saric, I think, only helps. I mean, two young guys. I mean, what's not to like about that? Let's talk about the other side of it with Covington. Because I guess my question to you, Zan, is who is the focal point of this deal for the Timberwolves? Yeah, like who do they want? I think it's got to be Saric. But with Covington, I'm excited to see two things. One, there is a large contingent of people that think Covington is not as good of a defender as he has shown. And that he gambles a ton and he knows he can do that because you have Embiid, who is tremendous behind you. So now you're going from Embiid, probably the, I don't know, in terms of bigs, like Gobert is better than Embiid, but that's maybe it. You go to from that guy to Carl Towns, who, you know, hasn't quite figured it out defensively. When his head's on straight, he's a little bit better. But so there's a chance that we see Covington sort of fall off the cliff defensively. But there is, you know, you're, you're going to get, I mean, I think at this point it's pretty safe to say like Covington is a guy who shoots seven to eight threes a game and he's probably a 35 plus percent three-point shooter, 36%. This year, 39% on 6.3 attempts, I think is is uh, what it is. But I'm not so worried, honestly. Like to me, he's more of a plug and play guy who's going to be fine. Um, and what I like about him defensively is just the size at 6'9". You know, compare that to say Josh Richardson, who they were debating on, on Miami, who's a like you know a true maybe shooting guard, a smaller small forward. I like the idea of having big wings like that. If you play, you know, Wiggins and Covington, those guys average about six eight, and so I think general having size like that really does help your defense, um, and especially if you kind of have a questionable pivot, you know, in in Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he can't cure all, obviously. So having long wings is going to help him. And this is where it'll be interesting with Towns and Wiggins. Like, obviously, Jimmy Butler is a good half-court scorer. We'll, we'll get to Jimmy Butler in a second. But with the Timberwolves, do you think that they did as well as they could in a deal with the Sixers? Should they have gone for one of the Sixers' extra first-round picks? Is it? Do you think that they were like, hey, we don't want to go for Markel Fultz because we don't know who he is, and also like we maybe can't pay him in two years if he ends up being a star? Like, do you think they got enough? Right. And again, this is a this is we've heard Jimmy Butler will resign, but this is a, a as of right now, this is a rental for the Sixers. Until Jimmy Butler, who is you know erratic at times, signs his name on a long term contract, you know you gave up two you gave up two like very useful wings for a guy that you don't know is going to be on your team anymore. Did the Timberwolves do as well as they could do? What do you think? Well, you know, when that first trade first broke, it didn't have the details. And so we were texting back and forth. I thought Fultz would be involved just because I think the Sixers want to kind of cash in if they can. Um, I feel like they realize it's not going to work with Ben Simmons. Um, although we said immediately, I don't know if Fultz would work in Minnesota either. I mean, I don't think you want another, you know, guy who can't really stretch the floor. Um, so 
I, I think they got enough and I'm comparing it more anything maybe they could have pushed for like Zaire Smith or, you know, an extra, you know, first round pick maybe. But um, the fact that they were haggling about 2022 second rounder kind of indicates to me like that's as far as the Sixers were willing to go. Just yeah, not, <laughs> this is not something we can do. Um, but I and I think, you know, compare I like it more than Josh Richardson alone, although I like Josh Richardson. And I like it more than the idea of the four first round picks from Houston because I like it a lot more than that. I agree. Yeah, and and the, I was kind of joking about J- Justin Patton, but like I think Justin Patton shows you why those mid to late round picks, first round picks are are overrated by the media and fans. Where it's like that's a piece of it, right? He got his third year player option declined. The Sixers are taking a hundred percent of a flyer with him. Like, is he going to be a good player? And we don't know that. So, I, and probably not. And so, like, if you draft a guy, even he was like a top fifteen pick. Like, those guys aren't guaranteed to be rotational players. So, if you're asking Houston's dangling a bunch of number twenty picks at you, those guys are probably not going to be rotational players. And if they are, they're going to be in twenty twenty one, and then they'll probably be good in twenty twenty three. I don't really think Minnesota's in a position to to go that long term. And so that's that's the other piece of this, right? When you have $300 million plus tied up in two guys, you can't tank. It's it's just not possible. So you can't tell the Sixers, like, sure, we'll take your 2023 first-round pick in this deal. You have to get guys that you think can help now. And I don't know if this makes the Timberwolves the seventh seed or something. Right. That's what I wanted to ask you. Right now, they're 4-9, and nine, so they have a lot of work to do. Do you think they can... Can they scratch and claw their way into seven or eight? Oh, man, I really don't know. This is a really interesting team. They The Western Conference is very good, as we've seen. I think this puts them on I, – I think it's a better roster fit than it was before. They have some more shooting. They have some more playmaking. Obviously, Jimmy Butler had worn out his welcome, whether or not it was with the coaching staff or Carl Towns didn't like him, Andrew Wiggins didn't like him, You know, only Tyus Jones or Jeff Teague like him. I don't know. But I, you had to move Jimmy. Okay, it just had to happen. So now you get two guys who are complementary pieces. You establish Carl Towns as the face of the franchise. I still think Tibbs is not the right guy to do this, and I think he's going to get fired anyway. But I think at least it gives you an opportunity to change the dynamic of your team, and I think they need to do that. Yeah, and and anyone who's anyone who's criticizing Minnesota, you know, are Wiggins and Cat good enough of a core to make waves? That's their core. That's that's who they're rolling with. You, you know. You can't do much at this point. And I think they surrounded them with as good of a talent fit as you want. And now it's just a matter of can Wiggins become a DeMar DeRozan type all-star? And if not, you were sunk anyway. And that's that's the issue before. Like they probably put themselves in the spot because like when you give Wiggins a max deal, and I, I don't know that he would have gotten one elsewhere. Chances are probably he would have gotten close to it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. If, if Wiggins is not the guy, then... <laughs> You know, you're just you're screwed. And and Carl Towns is probably going to end up being, you know, a good stats, bad team guy, just like maybe Kevin Love was before he went to Cleveland. So uh, let's move. Let's go to the Sixers for sure. And and this is this is the part that I'm interested in, Zan. And we both agree they had to move Jimmy Butler. Right. So you find a team that has a lot of assets. Jimmy Butler, the story was out today where uh, they had a 32 minute. Uh, minute restriction on him that he had agreed on. And then Thibs plays him 41 minutes last night and Jimmy's upset about it. And that's got to stop. And he's cursing to the media and then he gets traded. What were your initial reactions about the fit of Jimmy Butler to the 76ers? Well, I think it shows not necessarily desperation, but an admittance that standing Pat wasn't working for, for the Sixers, you know, even though they're in the three seed right now, 
their point differential is negative. And I, and I think we saw that kind of clunkiness with the fit with Simmons and Fultz. Like, I think they needed a third guy and, and they kind of were realizing Fultz is not it, like, or, or at least not now. And if we do want to step up and become an Eastern contender for real, we might need that guy. Maybe we missed out on Kawhi. If Jimmy Butler can fit that short-term third scorer, it's scary, though. Every time we talk about Jimmy Butler going to a team, it's not a guy you could just plug in and hope everything goes well. You have to worry about the fit on and off the court. So the off-the-court stuff aside, I, I think that Brett Brown is really good at stuff like that, uh, at least in my experience of dealing with him. You know, I'm working for their D-League team and stuff. People had great things to say about Brett Brown. But Jimmy is – he needs the ball as well. Now, the one thing is I think that you do get a better perimeter defender when he's locked in. I think he's better than Covington. Now, he doesn't cause as much havoc in terms of like getting deflections and stuff like that, but Jimmy just totally locked in. The Sixers are going to be a nightmare to play uh, if they are as good as they can be defensively, 100%. Well, I, I, I'll i tell you, I'll, I'll stop you there. I, I agree. Certainly, Jimmy Butler defensively is wicked, but you, it's a two-for-one, so you're you're putting Jimmy at power. I mean, at small forward, I guess. And then, but wh- who's their new power forward right now? Cause like on the depth chart, it's Wilson Chandler, Muscala, maybe Amir Johnson. Yeah. That this is the part. And you, you're, you're, you and me are on the same wavelength here. Like one of the Sixers biggest issues already was wing depth. Okay. They needed a three and D guy to begin with. And obviously like you get Kawhi, then you get a superstar, but you don't have that guy still. Jimmy Butler's shooting 33% from three. Like this is who he is. He wants to shoot mid-range jump shots. Their lineup fit together because he ain't coming to sit on the bench. You know what I mean? You're not bringing Jimmy Butler off. No, of course. And, and so my question would be like, and that, that's one issue with JJ, who's great, JJ Redick, but he's a, he's a shooting guard purely. He can't guard bigger guys. Markel Fultz, Markel Fultz is, you know, point guard, shooting guard, maybe, um, if he's effective at all, but you don't have those, those bigger forwards. So do you think they'll play Jimmy Butler at the four at all or not? I doubt it. I don't think that's something he would really do. I think the lineup you're going to see, and again, I, I don't know, like this is a knee jerk reaction by the time this airs on, you know, to later tonight, you know, we might know, but we might know more, but we probably won't know anything really of how they're going to integrate him until a couple weeks from now. But I mean, the lineup that, that I think you have to play is, I think it's got to be like Fultz, Redick, Butler, Simmons and Bead, and as a starting unit, like that team is very good and they should be very good defensively, but it doesn't solve this doesn't solve any it solves one issue in my opinion, and that's that when Embiid gets tired, they need somebody who's a go-to score in the half court. And Jimmy Butler can be that guy. You can put him in ball screens, you can post him like he can score in the half court. But I don't think that this solves their overarching issues, and that's that they struggle to shoot and they struggle to get space. So and, be- and if you're talking, sorry to interrupt you, but if we're, if we're talking about Jim, you know Jimmy Butler, we always compare him to like a Paul George type, and we say Paul George is so malleable because you could just you know plant him outside the line. Um, Jimmy Butler's merits as an offensive player are having the ball in his hands, driving, pa- playmaking, and getting to the line a lot. And you know he could shoot better than Ben Simmons, but he he brings a lot of the similar qualities to the table. So. Again, you wonder, is, is he going to fit with Ben Simmons? And that's the part where, like, here's the thing. And this is this was ultimately, this is what was said to me by my buddy. I was telling you this off the air. But my friend TJ DeLeo, he plays basketball in Germany. His dad worked for the Sixers in the front office. He was their GM for a little while, and now he works for the Wizards. But his main point was that with the Sixers, no matter what you think or don't think, every year that Embiid is healthy, you probably need to go for it because you don't know how many healthy years of Embiid you're going to get. And this guy right now, Zan, 
I mean, I, I, we've talked about uh, the MVP early year MVP race. Joel Embiid is an absolute monster right now. I mean, he's averaging 29, 13, three and a half assists on 50% shooting. PER is 27. Like, he is a freaking monster right now. He goes crazy last night in an overtime game. They should have lost to Charlotte. I think he had, I think he had 42 and 18 last night on 18 shots. I mean, this guy's crazy right now, Zan. So, no, I agree. And this is his prime. I mean, you know, this year, next year, hopefully he stays healthy. But this is not a guy, like you said, you can count on to be good in five years or at least be And that's what I think. And so it's like, look, if I mean, we can get into this, too. But like, I don't think you can take Jimmy Butler at his word that he's going to resign. Jimmy Butler has had numerous changes of heart. This is who he is. Like, it's fine. He's a great basketball player. But you're not taking the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands. And that's why I think the Sixers need to play differently than they are. And I think they just need to be the best defensive team they can be. I think they need to play a little bit more like the Celtics. Now, the other part with the Sixers, and like I said, I don't love this fit. I, I don't love it with like, you have Marco Fultz who you want to become a star. I don't know how he's going to gel with Jimmy Butler. Like, is Jimmy going to make him cry in practice? Embiid is super outspoken. And like, he's another guy where, you know, one day he has a bad game and Jimmy tells him like, hey, shut the F up. How's that going to go? Because this is Joel Embiid's team. Ben Simmons, more of a laid back dude. Like these personalities matter to me. And JJ Redick is, you know, not exactly the easiest guy to play with. Now he's a perfect compliment on the floor, but he's a tough guy. He's emotional. So like, I don't know how that's going to go, but like. Well, it, it does remind you a little bit of Minnesota in the sense that the two guys, Wiggins and Cat had been kind of handed the franchise and told you're our cornerstones. And the Philly guys, same thing. They're better and they've had more success, but it's the same thing. This is supposed to be their team. So, and again, you bring in Jimmy Butler making waves. How's that going to work? Yeah. My guess is that they were like, hey, we need to do this because we need to go for it. So I don't ever mind doing that. I think it's totally fine. Like if you have an opportunity to get, you know, I, I don't know. We've had these takes before. I don't know if I think Jimmy Butler is one of the best 15 players in the NBA. But I think they're going to have to be a defensive team first. Now, what I was what I was getting to is that I think that we have not seen the final product of this 76ers team. They do have some other assets. Obviously, I don't think Markel Fultz is going to get moved. But can they make a move for Kyle Korver? Can they make a move for another kind of like veteran shooter that you can play in bigger moments? Because right now, their roster's not deep enough to win an NBA title. Probably not even deep enough to, pl- to beat Toronto. Boston's got some issues right now anyway, but probably not deep enough to beat Toronto. Well, I don't think so either. I like their swagger now. I mean, Abid has that. Butler has that. They could maybe intimidate teams with their size and their defense. Um, I mean, they're going to be a big starting five. I mean, they're going to be a really big starting five. We know that we know that Zaire Smith's not going to play this year now. So that's a that's a, a wing that you don't get back. But like Wilson Chandler, you know, that's 6'7", 6'8". Mescal is not a great defensive player, but he's 6'9", 6'10". Like, they're a big team other than JJ and TJ McConnell. Like this is a long, big team that can switch and stuff. So if you get one more guy, you know, maybe they can guard Golden State. Maybe they can guard Boston. They can guard Toronto. But I don't I don't see it right now. I think they need one more shooter before they're a real threat to win the East. Yeah, I agree. And they might slug away. They're certainly in the conversation. But let's say there are a few pieces away. Like, what's the long-term plan here? Because Jimmy Butler, you know, as much as the personalities clashed in Minnesota, it was also a financial thing. He's 29, just turned 29, looking for a major max extension. If you're Philly, you might want to see how it goes, of course. But would you just hand them the blank check and say, we want you for five years? Or would you be a little nervous? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not. I, like I said, I don't love Jimmy Butler in today's NBA. And I certainly don't love him when I my other two best players are 
one is a non-threat as a shooter, doesn't even want to shoot it, doesn't think it's an issue that he doesn't shoot it. And then Embiid, who will shoot and has great touch, is really a 30% three-point shooter. I, in today's NBA, like I don't know that Jimmy Butler's a really good fit with those two guys. Now, I'm excited to see like Butler, you know, like Butler, Ben Simmons pick and rolls or like Butler and Embiid pick and rolls, I think are going to be awesome. I think it's going to be so much fun to watch. But what? Well, I- yeah, certainly. Jimmy Butler fits certain star-studded teams. I, I mean, like, imagine him on Golden State or something. Like, he could be great with all the shooters around him, but he does need those shooters, too. Um, and I guess JJ is going to have to shoot 23s a game. Right? I mean, that's, I think, the, I think that's the real thing. It's like, that's why I think they need another guy. And, you know, my question is, like, what, do you think the 76ers considered trading Markel Fultz for Jimmy Butler? I, th- I think they would have. I think they would have. Because I, I, I think if you... You know, regardless of, you know, Saric and Covington are inconsistent shooters, but in general, you'd think of them as, as shooters, at least, or competent, willing They, they at least are threats to take and make jump shots, which you need to be. So if, if you would have told me, whatever, forget the finances, Fultz for, for Jimmy Butler, I think that team would have been loaded. I, I think they would have been almost the favorites in the East. Um, so I don't think it was their choice. I think they probably had to float Fultz and get declined. I, I think Fultz, like, what is Fultz's value on? I mean, you could maybe get a, a starter for him, maybe, but I, I don't know. This for a while, like, whether or not the Sixers were like, all right, can we trade Markel Fultz, given what it means to our franchise? Like, they gave up that Sacramento Kings pick that likely Boston's going to get. Jason Tatum, although he's struggling, looks like a more competent player than Fultz right now. I, I would still argue that I think Fultz's ceiling is higher than Jason Tatum's, not to get into another discussion here, but... I was curious about that too. Like if the Timberwolves, they were like, hey, we'll trade you Fultz for Jimmy Butler straight up. And the Timberwolves were like, that's not enough. And they were like, well, we can't really give up Fultz and Sarge or we can't really give up Fultz and Covington because like. Well, like, would you want Fultz? Like say you're Minnesota and, and those three guys were on the table and they say, take two. Would you, would you have put Fultz as the, as the, in one of the two? I think so. Because I. Just because of the upside. I don't even take know. Like I said, there are, there are reasons. I, I think there's just Fultz has shown some playmaking. I think he's shown to be a pretty good defender. I mean, again, it's a big frame. He's athletic. He just can't shoot. Like, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> well, it's like everybody on the Sixers. Like, they're, they're best served as, like, the alpha scorer attacking the basket. Or in Bede's case, just, you know, scoring all over. Fultz, but- so, to me, it's like, all right, if I trade for him and he washes out, it's fine. You got an opportunity to kind of put him in your system, see what you think of him. Change the scenery could be good. He's very close to home right now still, obviously being from D.C. So, like, maybe Minnesota would have been better. I think in the NBA you need stars. And that's the one thing that I think Markel Fultz offers. With Covington and Sarge, Sarge could take a little leap, I think. I think it's possible. I don't think it's like Thibs is the guy that, to take him there. But Markel Fultz is the only guy in this deal that has, in my opinion, superstar upside. Now, the chances he gets there have got to be one in a hundred. Not even less. Well, especially in this situation, if you put him on wherever Sacramento for instead of Fox at the time, like I think he would be in a good position to rack up some stats. Like he can still get to the, you know, still get to the line. He can't shoot from the line, but he he can get there. He can rebound. He can play. And, Nick and a also, little. for some reason, Brett Brown seems determined. This is the other thing I think is good. Actually, I'm glad I this triggered this thought for me, but. Brett Brown seemed like determined to play JJ Redick off the bench, which seems so stupid because like, and stubbornly kept it up for five, and so 10 games. now I don't think you have that option anymore. Like Landry Shamit is your guy who's going to be a shooter off the bench. That is who he is. Like that this is done. It's it's over now. So I think that'll be better because Embiid and Simmons, or I'm sorry, Embiid and Redick's like two man game is their best offense sometimes at the end of the games. And now you can run 
Jimmy Butler and Redick. Now, here's the thing. Redick is what, 34, 35 years old? Yeah, something like that. Can he hold up? Can Embiid hold up? Simmons is a horse. He'll play as many minutes as you need. Fultz's mind might not hold up. But the Sixers are at least interesting in what they can bring to the table now. But it seems like a lot of this hinges on how good can J.J. Redick be for them. Well, they're they're almost like a top-heavy roster now in terms of like – which is it's good in the sense like you mentioned Embiid. If Embiid misses time or you just want to rest him, Butler can pick up a lot of that slack. Or God forbid Ben Simmons gets hurt, Butler can certainly pick up a lot of that slack too. Um, it's that you know fourth, fifth, sixth guy that now looks pretty weak. So before we get out of here, uh, I do have a question for you. What are the odds that Ben Simmons does get hurt? Jimmy Butler comes in, the Sixers are better with Jimmy Butler, and then all of a sudden Ben Simmons gets pissed off. Because Ben Simmons, <laughs> I think they're going to fight over it. I mean, this is a guy, you know, he's got a little bit of that in him. Well, and I think Butler too. I mean, he is looking for that max deal. Does he want to be? You know, he probably needs to rehab his reputation a little bit. But what if this goes badly? You know, you were joking that like the saga is over. I don't know. It could be like you know the Halloween franchise where Jimmy Butler like torments every single team in the league. It's just a different setting. You know what the you know what the crazy part about Jimmy Butler is, and this will be my last point on it, and you can you can take us out. But he plays so damn hard, Zan. Like on the court, Jimmy Butler is like who you want on your team. Like he defends, he takes some bad shots, but like largely, Jimmy Butler is a pretty good offensive player and an awesome defensive player. And he wants to play 48 minutes every night. Like that guy wants to win. And then off the court, it's like he doesn't understand that this is what you get paid to do. He thinks he needs to get paid more. He thinks he needs more recognition. Like I don't get it. It's like somebody got in his ear and was like, hey, Jimmy, you're way better than people give you credit for. Because people always talk about how good he is. Like honestly. Well, he he has a perpetual chip on his shoulder and it's worked for him on the court. I would say this in his defense, as annoying as his behavior has been, all year lost a lot of fans. It's been really annoying. We could say this. It's really annoying. I thought Kawhi Leonard was really annoying last year. He didn't say anything, but he was behaving in the same way. And it seems like all is forgiven with Kawhi Leonard right now because he's playing well and Toronto's really playing well. So Butler, if he if he takes them up a notch and gets them to the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel like he'll be a hero. So that's the one thing that this is missing. We do need some predictions on how you think this is going to work. So I'll throw it to you. Where do the Timberwolves finish in the West, and where do the Sixers finish in the East? Gosh, that I I think the Sixers. I'm pretty. I'm more confident in thinking that they'll be right now. They're the three seed. I think they're going to be the three seed, losing the second round. I don't think it moves the needle for them as much as we might think, based on the name value. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I think that this Jimmy Butler is not the perfect fit for them. You know, that's I do think that. In terms of Minnesota, I'd have to really like look at like where everyone in that top ten is is slated. I. I'll ask you this, not to dwell, but like, is it easy as a coach? I tend to think of like somebody like Robert Covington or Sarich, if they're just spacing to be easy to fill in, you could come play tomorrow and just space the court. Or is it actually harder for a guy like that to know where to go and what spots to space the court in? I think you can plug Jimmy Butler in for sure. I think he, again, the touches bother me a little bit because like they're going to give Embiid a bunch of touches. Ben Simmons is going to have the ball in his hand. So I think figuring that out is going to be tougher. I think the Sixers are going to be good. I don't know that they're going to be better than the Bucks. I don't know they're going to be better than the Raptors. And I don't know that they're going to be better than the Celtics when it's all said and done. This might make their ceiling 50 wins. And in Minnesota, would you, I would, I thought they would make the playoffs as the eight seed and I'll stick with that, but I'm, I'm certainly not confident. I mean, they're in that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range still. 
Yeah, I don't think this makes the... I think the Timberwolves, it's going to be interesting what they do in the offseason. The Timberwolves, to me, scream like 38 wins, you know? And they're 4-9 right now. And then Tibbs. Does Tibbs last the season? If they're if they're on like a 38-win win pace, do you think Probably he'll Probably not, especially because he has, you know, decision-making in his title, and I think that's been one of the issues. So... To me, I think it, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to move forward and monitor. I don't ultimately think to make, make the Sixers a title contender. I could see a world where they win the they win the East with Jimmy Butler. I don't know that I see a world where all of a sudden the Timberwolves start playing great because obviously they're a little bit less talented. But it definitely could be a situation where Butler's out of there and they rattle off a couple wins in a row because guys are like, man, we don't need to play with this guy anymore. You know, you're not you're not worried if he's playing at night. You're not worried what the lineups are going to be. You're not worried about what your responsibilities are. But the Timber, the team to me always screams like five hundred team, and I still think that's about. Well, and I'll get, I'll give the Sixers credit. I don't think it's going to move the needle dramatically, but I give them credit in this regard. It's always easier for these franchises or these GMs to continually like kick the can down the road and be like, "We're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. Give us five years, give us six years." They realize that there should be a contender now, yep. and, they're, and they're pushing their their chips in the table, and that's good for the NBA. I want to see compelling playoff matchups and i think we'll get that if not a win we'll get a fucking tough series yeah i agree with that and that's you know like i said we'll go shorter today and then we'll be back on thursday probably hopefully get some jimmy butler game action to talk about uh but yeah i hope there's not another uh crazy trade because i do want to watch some college football today but i am excited to see what happens and i'm excited to see what the sixers do moving forward because like i said i think they are one legitimate shooter away from being a real serious threat especially in the Eastern Conference. That's, you know, that's kind of my thoughts on it. And I agree with you. Like, you got Joel Embiid. You don't know if you've got Joel Embiid beyond the next couple of years. Who knows what happens with his health? So, well, that guy's playing, like, the best center in the league. Like, you go out and try to win with him. And I'm sure they talked to him about it, and he was like, yeah, go get Jimmy Butler. I honestly think that. So, exciting times in the NBA, Zan. The league just keeps on giving. Yeah, no, that's what's so fun about this podcast. There's always something to talk about, whether it's drama or actual trades or on-the-court drama. The NBA is a fun – It's the regular season has been as fun as I remember early on, so let's keep it going. All right. I am Tyler Laurie. He is Xander Gellison. Zan, stay safe out there with the uh, wildfires, although I know you're not as close as some other people are. But uh, And that's it for us. We will be back on Thursday, and thanks as always for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Xander Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.